0: J, one of the staff at our school, Wiley Middle School. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. This is my first year teaching at Wiley. Before I did this, I taught for a couple of years for special ed for Round Rock, and then before that, I was a worship leader and musician and um, teacher. What made you want to pursue in having a career in music? That's a good question. I think all people who say that they're in music now always say I grew up with music. My dad was a musician. So there are lots of evenings we spent singing and playing new music and practicing. And he always encouraged me to be part of that process. So he encouraged me to start writing my own songs or singing harmony to things. And after a while, it just became a useful skill. Like when I went to church or I was part of the youth groups, they would ask who also can sing. And I'd say, I guess I can. And over time, they started kind of putting me in front of everybody and asking me to lead different things. Um, And then it just fell into place. I started getting a lot of opportunities to play at different places, and I really liked it. So I kept practicing it. What made you quit music? I couldn't sing for nearly as long anymore. So I have a vocal issue where my—this is really gross—but my stomach acid like corroded my vocal cords. And so— I would be on stage and I would lose my voice all of a sudden and I couldn't get it back or I couldn't finish a set. And so over time, I just felt I couldn't do the job as well anymore, so I thought I'd slowly wean myself out. I still like to sing, but I just can't do it nearly as long as I used to. It. If nothing would have happened to your stomach acid and your your vocal cords, would you continue doing music? I think so. I, it was It was a career that I pursued in many different avenues. I wrote a lot of music. Um, I recorded, I was involved in it more than just traveling with the church and I thought it was going really well. I got, um, a writer's deal from a group in Nashville and it was moving along really well. And then all of a sudden it just had to come to a close. I couldn't keep up. What was one of your biggest struggles in music? Other than losing my voice, to be honest, it was being a girl. Um, I was a worship leader at a church in North Austin, and they brought on a new young pastor for that service, and he he was making some comments, and I overheard him, and I went and asked him what he was talking about, and he said, yeah, I'm just wondering if some of my guy friends should come in and be leader of the worship band, because what are we kidding? Like, you're a girl, so how far can you go? We were adults. And we were at a church. So I was very shocked shocked that he said that. But he honestly, in his young brain, he was fresh out of college, he was like, yeah, there really aren't that many girl worship leaders. So, you know, let's move you over and get someone else in. And I'm like, really? And I started naming off all these world famous female worship leaders. And he was like, oh, and I thought you hadn't heard of them and done research. So that was the first time I ever felt like, oh, my gosh, I have to really hustle to stay in this game. That was surprising. What does success mean to you? Success means, I think, first of all, being very good at what you're doing and not maybe by other people's measures, but your own. Like you feel, I did the job. I did it well. I met the need. But also contributing. Do what you love and do it well, but do it on behalf of the the larger part of the world. That's successful. What would you say to the girls that are listening to this podcast? About what in particular? Anything. Anything. About anything? I, I'm going to go back to be good. And I, I've said this before, but everybody wants to do something and that's great. And we all should have some sort of motivation, but you can't only want to do it. You have to do it really well because other people are watching you. And if they see that you got up there and you just threw something together and it wasn't that good, they're like, Oh, I don't really have to try Like you're sending a message in everything you're doing. So whether you're a student you're in Girl Scouts, you're in karate, whether you're a singer, like, be really good at it. Spend time on it and be proud of what you're doing so that if other people want to follow in your footsteps, they have an actual bar to hit. Okay, so now we're going to do the group part of our interview where we can just go ahead and ask All right. our, our interviewer E. Whatever comes to mind. Okay, go for it. My question is, How was it the transition from being like a musician to a teacher? I had always wanted to be a teacher. Like as a little girl, this sounds so nerdy, but go with me. In middle school, your age, I remember I had like a corner of my room, like my teaching corner, and I had some stuffed animals. I was obviously very mature for an 11, <laughs> year old <laughs> I would I, do that here's the thing. I struggled with learning in school, and I remember thinking, if I pay so much attention that I pretend like I'm going to have to teach this to someone else, like I'm really paying attention because I have to regurgitate all this information, then I learn better knowing I'm responsible for someone else's education. And I would practice that around with my brother. My brother would always ask me, like, so what did you learn today at school? And if I said, oh, a little of this and that, he's like, well, pay attention tomorrow so you can tell me what you learned. So I started really enjoying taking what I learned and teaching it at a level that other people enjoyed, and I started doing that with my stuffed animals. And so in high school, I had done an internship in college. My minor was education I taught for a little while at a private school, and this was all before I got my certification. So it was always in the back of my mind, like, you know, if this musician thing doesn't work out, and I was able to be a musician for about 12 years, but I thought I would definitely teach, and so that's, I went right to it when I couldn't sing anymore. So, um, if you couldn't, if you still could sing, would you still become a teacher? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think I would always want to teach in some capacity. I used to travel around with this group called Sage Ministries, and half of it was I was leader of the band, and then the other half was we would do breakout sessions or maybe I would have to speak about something from the stage, and I was always so energized to do that. Like, I love singing, but really, being a worship leader, it's about you creating a space for other people to sing. You're not really on focus. It's not just your song, but when you taught, like, all of a sudden, they're paying attention to you. So I really enjoy that. So, yeah, I would have kept that hybrid, that musician-slash-teacher. I definitely would have kept that. That's a really good question. If you decided to continue being a musician, would you have become a music teacher? You know what? I will be honest that when I lost my voice, I think I really... I, don't, I, I stepped away from music quite a bit. And a lot of people encouraged me to do that. They said, why don't you still work on your instrumentation? Why don't you write music? Like all these other variations of being a, a musician. And at the time when I couldn't sing anymore, I just rolled with it. At first, I wasn't like emotionally damaged by it. I thought, eh, oh, well, you know, I got something else in the bag. But I think that wasn't accurate. Like I noticed that over time I'd be playing a song on the piano And my voice would just stop up and I couldn't sing and I would just start crying. And I didn't want to play the piano because playing it reminded me I couldn't sing with it. Mm -hmm. Playing guitar reminded me I couldn't sing anymore. And so maybe at some point I will, but I think there is still an emotional piece. Just imagine if you're a star football player and your knee is bummed out. Like you just kind of are angry about it for a little while, even if it doesn't show in anger. So. I think I should still be responsible with my music talent, and I should still move forward. And I think being a teacher would be an epic combination of music and teaching. But maybe I'm not emotionally ready for it yet. So right now I'm teaching math, which is I kind of like music theory and math kind of go hand in hand. But I should probably open that back up again. So thank you for reminding me. Yeah, I feel like we should do the... The song now. Gonna do song song, song. Yes. song, song. We like songs. Yes. We love songs. voice memo. Oh, yeah. All oh, right. I have voice memo. I downloaded. Now I can always have your song. So I will warn you, like I have <laughs> to Damn, now, that maybe in the middle of the song, my voice will be cranky. I don't know. I'm not in charge of it. It's okay. So this is a song that I wrote when I was 18. Oh, my gosh. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Many moons ago. And it's just this little song that I was singing over and over in my head. And I thought, oh, I'll go ask my dad if he can play guitar on that. And he came up with the guitar part, and then we ended up recording it on my first album. So it's called Savior. Like I said, I was a worship leader. So <laughs> lots of Jesus stuff. Thank you.
1: Savior, I bow before you and I worship. Your beautiful name, Redeemer Holy Lamb, you are majestic And you are always the same When things all around us are changing Wearing us down day by day Your steady hand will still guide me Into the light and out of the grave, Savior, I bow before you and I worship your beautiful name, Redeemer, Holy Lamb. You are majestic, and you are always the same. When life just don't feel much worth living of its purpose seems gone. I remember why my life was given to me. I get down on my knees and give praise to the Son. Savior, I bow before you and I worship your beautiful And you are always the same, Savior, your oh, Redeemer. That good. inside.
0: Good job. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was okay, Yes. yes this is a little personal. Cool. When you Trust hurt me. your voice, <laughs> yes. Who is the one person you blamed? I'm probably myself. I thought I had just sang poorly, like used poor um, diaphragm control, and I I thought that I probably pushed too hard and stressed the vocal cords. And so I was, I was really frustrated at myself because I thought, come on Heather, like warm up better. Don't like, I used to do big camps all the time and I would talk and I would go out and scream like we were rooting for our team. And I thought, Oh, you've done it again. But when it kept coming back, even when I wasn't doing those things, I realized like, Oh, I think this is my body. Like my body's breaking down. And then when I knew that it was a stomach acid issue and not a like tension on my vocal cords then I, I felt relief, like it wasn't my fault. That's when I think I let go of that. Oh, why didn't you do this right? Why didn't you take better care of yourself? But, yeah, I, I definitely stressed out about it for myself. I thought I'd been foolish with my instrument, basically. I know a, a lot question. of people who um, lost a part of them mm-hmm. who did blame God. Yeah. As a such, a, a source to be mad at. Well, that's a good question because there was a poem I read in high school. And it's by John Milton. And it's called, When I Consider How My Light is Spent. And actually, we went over it my senior year in our class. And we read through it. And of course, it's a little murky as you're reading. You're like, I-, I don't know what he's saying. And he's, it's this prayer, apparently. And our English teacher was describing that he had gone blind. He had lost his eyesight. And so this poem was him talking to God like, I'm useless now. Like, he's a writer. So this was an autobiography. Try again. Autobiography. Oh, my gosh, why can't I say it? Autobiographical. Woo! Maybe I'm not supposed to be an English teacher, guys. (laughs) Five times five is so much easier than that. Um, Where he was saying, I I was a writer, therefore I needed to see to write, and now I've I've lost my sight, so I'm useless. And he was feeling angry. So the first part of the poem was him talking to God like, "Uh, you know, I don't have any purpose now. But then as the poem goes through, he realizes that God looks at his heart and not his talent. And so if he's still offering himself available to use whatever gifts are left over, then he's still useful. And I vividly remember that. Oh, I'm start crying. When I had to quit the job I had, because I was working as a worship leader and I had to quit. I had to go in there and tell him that I couldn't do the job. I felt useless because at that time I had children and I was working and that was my paycheck but i remembered that poem and i remembered that i wasn't useless that there would be another way another talent and that i would just have to figure out what it was and it was shortly right after that my friends were like you always wanted to teach want to teach and so i i was able to kind of quickly segue over to teaching and i think that's why i didn't process through my frustration as much cuz i got back to work again yeah. but that poem helped me not blame god for it it helped me realize i'm still useful there's just something else i got to do you lost something, but you also gained a the teaching. There we go. I get to hang out with you guys. <laughs> it's also, uh, I, some of my family doesn't have employment, uh-huh. and sometimes they're like, I wish I could have an employment so that way I could like get my mind a little clear. Yeah. Because you're just working, and instead of like worrying about things and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, I think getting back to work just keeps your body moving. But dealing with the actual um, thoughts and feelings about whatever circumstance you're in, whether you're frustrated about losing someone or finances or whatever, you don't really deal with that stuff until you stop moving, until you have a moment to yourself. And honestly, I think music kind of helps that. It helps you kind of zen out and get into a space where you can think your own thoughts. But yeah, I, I stay busy most of the time and I don't think about it a lot. I don't pick up my guitar nearly as much as I feel like I should. I think I still need to be responsible with the fact that I know how to play I know how to play piano. I know how to play violin and flute, and I just don't, because when I pick it up, I feel frustrated. But that's on me. You know, I probably need to get over that. I mean, is it just because it brings back so many memories of how? Because I feel limited. You know, it's. I mean, think of a sports player who can no longer run as fast as they used to. Yeah they get out there and just kind of trot. You're like, what's the purpose of doing this? Mm -hmm. I mean, it used to be, I knew that I needed to change my guitar strings when they started to sound really bad and I didn't want to play my guitar. And I'm like, oh, maybe I need to change the strings. Like it sounded better. I'd want to play it. I feel similar with my voice. I was a singer before I was a musician. Mm -hmm. So without the voice, I'm like, why am I even playing the guitar? Because it was always used to suit, to accompany my voice. But I think, honestly, the older I get, the kind of more bratty that sounds. I think if someone else told me that, I'd be like, "Um, you can still practice without your voice. So many people do. But for me, I'm like, "Mm, mm, I can't play it like I used to. So I don't want to. (laughs) And the other struggle, and we didn't really go into this earlier, is I had a lot of people who wanted to continue hearing the music I was putting out, and dealing with their emotional fallout was really exhausting. Like when people would say, well, can't you just go to another doctor? And I'm like – please let it go, you know, let, just let it go, <laughs> and some people were like, well, maybe it's not really what you think, or maybe try this, because they were invested, yeah. Think, I mean, not that I was anybody's favorite band, but think if your favorite band was like, we're not going to put out <laughs> any more music, you'd be like messaging them all the time, saying you want more of it, and I had to deal comfort a lot of people for my loss, mm-hmm. and that was awkward and weird. <laughs> I got that one, I thank you, Miss Weej. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for letting us oh, interview. Thank you for singing you. for
1: us. Yes, I was. I posted <laughs> it on
0: Google Classroom. Did oh you? no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I
1: did. Oh.